Welcome to You Can Do It Too, a podcast highlighting regular folks who followed their dreams and made it happen. I'm Joan Hutchinson, your restaurant maven. I've been described as a risk taker, though I never thought of myself that way. My mom always told me I could do or be whatever I wanted as long as I set my mind to it, and I believed her. I've moved across the country more than once, was an actor in L.A. doing theater, independent films, and even stand-up. I ran a successful catering company that led to owning and operating an award-winning Southern California restaurant. All this prior to earning a bachelor's degree in business management and marketing. Listen, you don't need a degree to accomplish your dreams. You need drive, passion, and belief in yourself, along with some caring folks who support you and believe in you. Since then, I've gone on to work in country clubs, casinos, a culinary school, and hotels. I've been coaching and consulting with small business owners for the last few years and blogging with business advice. I wanted to do more, to share more, to reach more of you. I decided to talk with folks I admire. Lots of amazing 30-somethings, even some remarkable 20-somethings, and of course, more seasoned folks who kick ass at what they do. To show you, you can do it too. All right. Thank you all for joining me today. Today I'm talking with Chef Matt Borchardt, independent restaurateur. I met Matt through working at Lake Cole Culinary in St. Louis, where he was associate culinary director. He was then promoted to director when the school opened a second location called Lake Cole Culinary Academy for Culinary Development, and he spearheaded the opening of that operation. Matt was itching to do his own thing, but did a stint as a consulting chef for a fast casual concept. And now it's been seven years that Chef Matt Borchardt and his wife, Mary Beth, have owned and operated Edibles and Essentials Market and Cafe in St. Louis, and they are still going strong. Thanks so much for joining me, Matt. Awesome. So I wanted to talk with Matt because he had an idea for a unique business and he made it happen. A source for specialty food products and a restaurant. Um, It's such a cool, different kind of restaurant. Some folks might not have understood his idea, but for anyone living in or visiting St. Louis, you must stop at Edibles and Essentials. Great food, a super cool vibe. He's got live music going on here and there. So So, Matt, can you tell us about your original idea for Edibles and Essentials and what spurred you to open it? Yeah, I mean, I always wanted my own place. Uh, Your intro kind of nailed it. You know, didn't have a degree, worked my ass off, you know, took a lot of notes and always wanted to have my own place. And I didn't really want a full restaurant. I think I wanted a place where uh, we would sell, you know, pots and Le Creuset and knives and jams and jellies and cutting boards and at the same time sell some charcuterie and some fresh cut steaks and you know maybe a panini or two some coffees and so kind of like an all-around gastronomical city if you will you know like real small on a small scale a couple of people and that's it but uh the neighborhood where i was in or where we we are where we opened edibles and essentials once we opened really uh had a demand for a restaurant and the, and that's what we've become and have been now for the last seven years is really a full-fledged restaurant. I mean, we, we do some retail to items anymore, but most of the shelves are stocked with, uh, you know, mise en place or prep items or 
you know, <laughs> kitchen staples that we just need the shelving for now. So, you know, right. but we still have some retail, but we are, I wanted it to be, you know, edibles and essentials so that you can come in, get a good bite to eat or take home some bites to eat and then have some kitchen staples, you know, essentials that were, you know, you need a good chef or home chef needs in her pantry. Right. And so that's Which what, that's where it started. And obviously it's evolved much, much more than that. So, so your original idea was more market and a little bit of a restaurant, a little bit of, of taste here and there. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, the, the name was market and cafe because I wanted the focus to be as a market, but it didn't take long for the neighborhood. I guess, you know, we were good, pretty good with the food, so it didn't take long. <laughs> and that's really what we saw. Right. That was the need, you know, so, and I had so, the kitchen space to do it, so. So when you're, you're saying that the the neighborhood wanted a restaurant, so you were selling some things that were like, they could come and pick up a salad or they could pick up something, right? Is that right? Sure. Yeah, we still do some of that. We still make the best chicken salad in St. Louis and tuna salad and, you know, local eggs and marinated olives and things like that out of our deli cases and a lot of retail wine. So we, yeah, but I thought we were going to do a lot more of that. Right. You know, when I, when I wanted to, op or when I opened the restaurant, at least that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't want to cook in a kitchen, a hot kitchen anymore. Right. But you do now. Well, you don't mm -hmm. have to cook all the time though, right? It's been seven years. So hopefully you get to step away now and again. You know, with the, uh, especially with given the last couple of years with the pandemic, you know, there's been ebbs and flows in the way the business has operated. I've had to wear many different hats. Yeah. You know, whether I worked in the front of house or in the kitchen, those certainly, those things have certainly changed through the course of the seven years. We just turned seven uh, earlier this month. So congratulations for that. Cause that is yeah, huge thanks. for a restaurant. I mean, good job. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, it feels like it's been like 25 years sometimes. But... <laughs> um, you're also one other thing when talking about the concept is you have your guests, order at the bar or at the counter and then the food is brought to them which I think is such a smart concept especially after COVID I mean labor is so difficult and you know I, what a, was that your original thought or... I, you know all along we were going to be a counter service restaurant people would order at the counter they were given a number with a name nowadays it's names because we have such a regular clientele everyone's on a mm -hmm. first name basis for a lot of them but uh and then we would bring the food out that was always a plan and then COVID came it was actually you know I was fortunate we didn't have to do much different mm -hmm. uh we didn't have to change our concept or we didn't have to change our philosophy we always did a lot of to-go orders we always had online ordering we had a patio uh and you know you've seen it a beautiful patio out back mm -hmm. and we already had an enclosure for it so we were able to sit out there in the winter that first winter when COVID came and everyone was scrambling to figure out ways to do outdoor dining and still be warm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then with the concept of the counter service and bringing food for you, or, you know, we weren't even doing dining, we were just bagging it and leaving it on the counter. People would come in with their names, you know, get their food. And mm -hmm. so really I was, I count my blessings. I was fortunate that COVID didn't necessarily disrupt uh, my business pro you know, the, the way I operated my business for the most part. Right. And, you know, I, 
I, um, I wonder what people thought at first. I mean, was that a learning curve? Because um, places with good food that aren't um, Panera, um, you know, people aren't used to that where they, they order at the counter and then it's brought to them. That's funny. Uh, it, it, even today, I mean, even last night at uh, dinner service, there was, you know, people to come walking in and they didn't, you can tell when they've maybe been there the first time because they, it is a unique uh, atmosphere or when you first walk in, you know, it's very welcoming, but at the same right, it, you know, you can see that hesitation sometimes from, from people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it, it, it is still a learning curve, but yeah, we, we, but our staff and myself and we're all trained well enough how to handle it, make everyone feel welcomed and show them the ropes and make them feel welcomed and comfortable right away. Yeah. I think, and your team does a great job. I mean, I have brought new people there and every one of them has just loved it. So uh, it hasn't even been even a thought that they're ordering at the counter and going and having the food brought, but. Right. And every now and again, it's not for everyone. You know, every now and again, we get some people that are think it's weird that they have to get up and get their own beer out of the beer fridge, which has, you know, 40 different local craft beers. It's a beautiful site, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but you know, they, I think they're used to the, you know, that uh, service aspect where they don't have to get up to do anything. And, and that's not the way we are. We are, if you want another glass of wine and we are not there at your table, feel welcome to come up and order a glass of wine at the counter on your tab, you know, and that's how we do things, you know? And then quite honestly, because of that, we, I didn't even accept tips. I don't know if you remember. Well, I didn't accept tips the first couple of years, like not at all. We did not only cash tips. We did not even have an option on a credit card. That's right. I remember for, saying for people to, to leave a credit card tip because I felt like it was a counter service restaurant and, and they were not being served as they would in a fine day or at a, service full service restaurant and i just thought you know we would provide that service and then again things have evolved through the years and we started you know nicer food and you know when i first started we were doing plastic silverware and pie tins you know all the food was (laughs) in now you know you know we do have china and silverware you know so (laughs) real glassware and stuff like that now so but uh you know, so it has evolved through the years, but uh, but the style of service is unique to some degree that you see at a Panera. You order at the counter, same thing. Sometimes we get a line. Sometimes we get a line. Those are good nights when we have a line. Right. You know, <laughs> for me. And uh, and then so, you know, we do have a line and, and then I'll jump in and help out and, you know, but yeah, and that's the way we do it. And people order at the counter, we bring you. Now, and a lot of times, because we're so quick with the drinks and we have a team, you know, a lot of times people wait right there for their drinks while we're making their initial cocktail, while they take the menu, go sit down to TV, so, or table, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that people are gonna, I, I see that as the future of a lot of restaurants, actually. You know, especially now with labor being what it is everywhere and for restaurants, especially. Yeah, it's like I said, I've been fortunate. I've been blessed that I didn't have to change my module too much. So it's, but I do, I think it's a, it is a good concept. It's a great one. And you were, you were forward thinking guy, obviously. I don't know about (laughs) that, but I think I got lucky too. 
There's a lot of Alexa plays into it. <laughs> well, you were smart. You got a great location. You, you know. So you also had a food truck. So was that food truck before Edibles and Essentials? Was it after? Well, it's funny. The fit, the truck itself came after the restaurant. Uh, however, when I was when I opened a restaurant, I wanted to open a food truck, and I was in the market for a commissary. And I spent countless, I was doing some consulting work at the time and I knew that was coming to an end and I knew it was time for me to do my own thing. And uh, so I was looking for, I wanted to do a food truck and not, not the type of food truck I, right. But excuse me, not even the same food truck that I have a totally, mm -hmm. or had a totally different concept. And uh, so I was driving around every day looking for commissaries to buy or rent. And then I stumbled onto the property which i ended up buying and putting the restaurant into and i thought well it's too cool of a building to put to use as a commissary for a food truck right mm -hmm. like and so i'm like well screw it we'll do the restaurant first and so i did a restaurant and then we were gonna and then a, a year and a half into the restaurant i was getting you know the itch to do additional things and yeah. was being approached by a you know second location of the restaurant or doing things in some other venues in the St. Louis area and declined all those. And I, and I thought, well, maybe I'll, now's a good time to do a food truck. And I, again, I was going to do a food truck, a different uh, style of food, but I had these French fries on the menu and they were pretty good. And one night my brother and I were literally sitting at the edge of the bar on this very computer researching used food trucks to buy for a concept a, a totally different and some gentleman walks out of the patio and into the dining room on the way out and looked at me and slammed his hands on the bar and said those are the best fucking french fries i've ever had in my life and i kind of looked at my brother and i'm like well you there know you there it is we're, yeah we're gonna do a french fry food truck and seriously i mean it changed just like that the concept changed immediately and we decided to do uh essentially fries there's a food french fry food truck which is awesome so I mean, you just know how to duck and weave. Just seems to be your thing. <laughs> uh, we were pretty lucky. It was a pretty popular truck for sure. Yeah, and then was it? Co co well, you would think food trucks would do well during COVID, except for the labor, right? Uh, you kind of cut out there for me, but I a minute. But I think uh, it, it, the demise of the truck. I mean, was yeah. I mean, just after COVID, I was hard to find staffing for it. I lost uh, an employee. He moved on and uh, who was running a truck and it was hard to find someone that I was going to be able to trust again. I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the cost of oil was still is through the roof. The cost of potatoes were, you know, everything. Was, and I just, okay. it was sitting there in my driveway at the restaurant is a big billboard. And I thought, you know, even if I, found someone to uh hire to run the truck i don't know if i was gonna i have a trust issue that's why i have a small <laughs> restaurant and so i just was like you know what and then i just kind of threw it out there to uh the food truck community that you know i might be interested in selling it and lo and behold out of the blue someday someone walked in and offered me uh, money for just the truck not the concept and i you know i couldn't refuse it so it was a no-brainer Nice. It was done the deal in 24 hours and, you know, I missed the food truck and, you know, missed the concept for sure, but I don't miss the headaches. All right. 
St. Louis. But it was a good food truck. It, it was a popular food truck. It was the only French fried food truck. You know, and that's all we did was French fries loaded with, you know, we did the nacho fries or the Euro fries or the uh, um, pulled pork fries. And so, you know, it was fun. It's not, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a fried food truck. So it makes sense that it was popular and St. Louis has lots right. of them. So, yeah. yeah. We'll fry anything in this town. <laughs> well, speaking of frying, your, I, your famous dish. The, the fried ribs. I was just going to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We uh, had a private party at the restaurant last night and I think we served uh, about 80 of them, individual ribs to the, to the guests of the party. It was fun. A lot of them never had them before, so they were pretty intrigued by them. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's it's a fun thing to to eat. I think you you know you're um, speaking of catering. You've been doing a lot of catering, huh? Yeah, especially this past week. So, but uh, yeah, it's you know we we we're fortunate. You know, business is good, and uh, you know we're in a uh, neighborhood and community that supports us you know my wife and I try to be you know friendly people to our staff and to our guests and make it a welcoming place and and I think in return we get that from the neighborhood mm -hmm. you know everyone enjoys being there literally there are nights I mean some of these people have been in my home we've gone my wife and I have gone out and socialized with some of our regular clientele we've so you know they there are some nights at the restaurant where everyone knows each other. There are people that have become friends with one another that met at our restaurant sitting <laughs> at the bar. And now they are, and now they are friends, you know, and, and they socialize together. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and we, you know, and this, you know, just Thursday night or Wednesday night this past week, we had a family come in and they have a two year old toddler running around. And I remember when they were coming in before they were even married. So I, I watched them in, you know, through their engagement, through their marriage and then children. And, you know, so we get a lot of that from the neighborhood. It makes sense that, uh, you know, you are a nice guy. Both you and Mary Beth are, are easy to talk to people. So it makes sense that they support you and, and, uh, and you're, and you're busy. So that's good. You get a yeah, lot we're of pretty press. fortunate. I mean, you, you, you do get a lot of press. So your, your place is a hit. So you get a lot of press, right? How'd you we get do. the word out it. when you first opened? Uh, you know, I struggled with that. Uh, I feel like, because I didn't have, and I still don't believe I have a lot of fanfare, you know, we're not, the, but I, you know, it was a lot of word of mouth. A lot of, I think that's my guests telling each other, you know, their friends when they left, how great of a meal they had and mm -hmm. that, you know, I don't spend a lot of money adver in advertising, maybe I should, but you know, I don't. And so I rely on that word of mouth and, and, and having, we put a lot of care into everything we do with the food and the hospitality and, and all, and put and having a good value. So I figure long ago that was going to speak for itself. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was yeah. what's going to, you know, sell my restaurant. Uh, is is the is the care and the good service that you're giving? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I believe in that. Yeah, because advertising and marketing is pretty expensive. So if you're not careful, it could take up way too much of your budget. So you know, I honestly, I <laughs> it's funny you said. I mean, I honestly would rather. Yeah, that's why I would rather use real butter and everything than not instead of <laughs> paying money for advertising, right? Because 
you can only you don't know where that money's going but if i know if i'm putting a better product into the cookies or you know or the scallop dish or whatever it is then that's going to speak better than the money i minus or to spend better than the money i would have spent on advertising maybe i don't know you know wow that's it's something uh... i've thought about before I like that way of thinking. That makes sense. It's a little scary, but well, look look where you are now, seven years in. <laughs> so, I'll tell you, there's a lot of luck involved. <laughs> you keep saying that, but you know, you always have is. To do the work first, and then it seems like you're lucky. Yeah, well, we do, and my staff works hard too, you know. I, and I tell, we do these wine dinners uh, once a month on Wednesdays now. And I tell, and I bring the whole staff out uh, after the last course, and I introduce the staff. And but I, and I'm the first one that, you know, it's not because of me. You know, it's because of my staff that we're successful. You know, it takes a team. Like there's no way, just there's no way I can do it by myself. And I get the credit, sure, but uh, it's it's the staff is the number one reason why we are successful. Because, because they see that I care, I think, and then especially when it comes to the food and hospitality, and I think they see that, and then it rubs off on them, and, you know, in turn, they'll care for the same reason. So you you believe that uh, being a great leader is the best way to get your team to feel like a team and behave the way you want them to? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, that's kind of how I was taught, you know, in this business. Like, I feel like I had some good mentors that were passionate about food and passionate about treating people the right way. And, and then <laughs> I worked for some others that weren't, you know. Uh-huh. So, you know, I didn't want to be those guys. I wanted to be the guy that, you know, that treated everyone with respect and made, you know, put a good quality product on a plate every time. So do you do you feel like you've done, do you do things that are like team built? team building um i'm not that nice i guess no i mean <laughs> i mean I, I you know i we i took him to a baseball game a couple years ago and or well i guess almost every year i mean i mean but I, you know my staff they you know they get a, you know, a meal every day they get a cocktail every day we've been known to you know i've been known to grab the bottle of jameson and walk in the kitchen and do a couple shots with the team mm-hmm. you nice. know so they they're t- you know they eat well <laughs> and that's always a plus you know right. you know i've been to places where you you get three things to choose from that you can order when you work in a restaurant and who wants that no one well <laughs> i really believe you know it costs me a lot of money and my bookkeeper like yells at me all the time because i'm giving away thousands of dollars a month mm-hmm. and free food because we ring it up and we keep track of it and but, you know, and then you see that at the end of the month, you're like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But, but I also want them to know what the food's like. Yeah, right. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I want them to know when someone asks, which is, I always think a dumb question when someone and comes to your restaurant, well, is the spinach artichoke good? You know, <laughs> no, I mean, if it isn't, I wouldn't have it on the menu, first of all. But, but I also, but I want my staff to know how good it is. Mm-hmm. And that you know, you so they can tell it. people when they, you know, when, when our guest asks about something or, and, and then what's in the, what's in the ingredients? Is there an allergy concern or, you know, or what's it taste like, or is it spicy or not? You know, I want them to be able to, to make those decisions and pass that information along. That's great. 
So what what have you found to be your biggest hurdle as a small business owner? And there's many of them. It's like, uh, I feel like it's like the watching the 110 hurdles where there's 10 of them you have to jump over, you know? Like there's, there's, you know what I mean? There's not just one, I don't think. Uh, you know, when I first started, it was the bookkeeping paper record, you know, saving receipts, entering QuickBooks and paying bills online and QuickBooks and banking and, and like all, and like I was a chef, man. I just wanted to cook, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't, you know, opening your own business, you got to start doing all that stuff. And you're like, now I, you know. I don't have to do those things anymore. Good I do thing, pay, now you pay I, someone. I, <laughs> I do. And, and those were the, some good days when I was turning, you know, but I, you know, like I said, I also have a trust issue. So I'm also monitoring those things often, but, uh, but that was for me, I think one of the biggest ones that I learned was or biggest hurdle. The first hurdle mm-hmm. I think was uh, teaching myself how to do those things and then whether or not I wanted to continue, you know, how to do them and manage running a restaurant from a physical end too, uh, or, you know, from the, on the kitchen side and front house. Yeah. You do both. You work in the kitchen and you're out front greeting people making drinks. I mean, uh, I mean, there's some days where, especially of late where I do the, in the same day, both, uh, you know, really the way a lot it's been going over the last, you know, year and a half, maybe is I'll spend most of my morning time and daytime when while we're closed in the kitchen prepping setting up the stations you know making their you know and so where my team then comes in and they do their final mise en place for their station and they're executing on the service end and maybe i'll spend the evening in the dining room you know behind the bar bartending or you know or Mm -hmm. maybe taking a night off every now and again too which you deserve after putting in seven years it's nice to be able to take some time off when I need to, you know, and I have a good team that I can trust to do that, you know? Yeah. So, and my, my staff is, you know, I've been pretty lucky with that. I mean, I've had, you know, everyone has some turnover, but you know, I've got, let's see, I have two employees that have been there for five years. Plus I have another employee that's been there for probably two years, another one for a year, you know, so over a year, doing something right. I mean, I've been pretty fortunate. Yeah. So was there a mentor or a group that you turned to for help when you were getting started? I mean, I know you came from the culinary background, but. Yeah, no, I've opened a few restaurants through the years. You know, I did the one at Lake Hole that we had at the school, which, you know, whether you want to call it a real restaurant or not, but at least we, I went through that, the construction phase of that part and ordering mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, that mm-hmm. part of an opening restaurant. And then I did a consulting job for Taze and we did that group, you know, all from scratch. And, and then, you know, I helped, you know, way back when I was not, I didn't help because I, I was young, but I was present when we opened the new cafe Provençal. And so, um, you know, I didn't have a saying matter then, but I, I've been through restaurant opening. So I kind of knew, I didn't, I did not lean too much on too many people other than some of the areas where I didn't know anything about like accounting, bookkeeping, mm-hmm. uh, laws, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I hired an attorney, I hired a CPA, I hired a bookkeeper and, and then a general contractor and I let everyone do their thing. And, you know, my hope was, and the goal was that I would get in the kitchen and cook at that point. 
All right. Let's see. So do you have any advice for someone who's looking to open a restaurant? Uh, I won't say don't do it because the <laughs> world needs good restaurants. Um, you know, just don't do it too soon. I remember when I was like in high school, I wanted to do it. Like, yeah, I was like, Oh, when I'm 25 years old, I'm going to have a restaurant. And then, you know, I got to be 25 and I was like, when I'm 30, I'm going to have a restaurant. And then by the time <laughs> I got to like, you know, and I'm like, shit, now I don't know if I want a restaurant, but you know, but when I, you know, so I didn't open, let's see, I'm 48. Right. I guess. And so, you know, I was in my forties, you know, when I opened my restaurant, so don't do it too soon, you know, wait and get, catch your experience and take, take notes, you know, pay attention. Well, it was good that you waited so you had the time to learn all these things and do all those openings. I mean, what a help that was. Uh, right. Again, I feel like I've been pretty lucky and pretty fortunate to, you know, to have those things happen. And when you were at the culinary school and and they put you in charge of, of opening that whole facility. Oh, yeah. We, yeah we, we opened two of them for them. That's right. Yeah. And that was that was huge. I mean, that was, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the Academy. I was thinking about the restaurant at the main campus, but then we opened the Academy and yeah, that was a whole another undertaking that we did. Yeah. So I guess that is where you were lucky. <laughs> you were present. You were there when those, when those things happened, but you did the work to get those, those jobs. Right. Best part about that one was in my money, you know, that was someone else's money I was spending and, you know, <laughs> you so get to learn on someone else's dime. <laughs> Which is which is a good bit of advice if you have the opportunity to learn on someone else's dime. Oh right? yeah, and that's and that's why I say keep notes and do, don't do it too soon. You know, go go work for multiple chefs. Don't get. I tell my staff when my staff when I lose a staff member, and they're going on to a a, a better job or a, a job under a different chef or a, a respected rest, restaurant. You know, like I don't don't be upset. You know, they, they might be upset that they're leaving me and, right. you know, hey, chef, I got to talk to you, you know, like, uh -huh. so it's, you know, and it's like, it's, it's cool, you know, like, go learn, go, you know, do your thing. So that's, you know, that's what I did. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because uh, Lawrence says the same thing. He says, well, I don't expect you to be with me forever. If you're going to leave, you need to go go somewhere better or go right. learn oh, yeah. somewhere else. If right? you, yeah, if you're going to leave to go work at, you know, a fast food restaurant or out of the industry, like, you know, good riddance. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going to go in, you know, if you're going to, because that's the kind of people I hire, though, I, I make sure I, and I tell my staff all the time when I hire people and every employee has heard it, I don't hire cooks. I hire culinarians, mm -hmm. you know, because I want people that are passionate again, because that's, I'm passionate about food and I'm not going to waste my time teaching someone that doesn't care. I mean, I let it, I'll never forget. I let a kid go once, he, you know, he's, he wasn't only with me for a few weeks and he's throw in, you know, the hamburger, but literally from like five feet away onto the flat top without buttering them, you know, and like, like while he was doing something, I'm like, Hey man, we don't throw food here, you know? And he's like, it's just a hamburger bun, you know? And I'm like, yeah, well, that's the last hamburger bun you're going to throw because, Respect you know, we don't the do food. it here. Right, right, right. And I know it's a little thing, you know, stupid thing, but you know, it, it's, you know, it's an insight it is because right? if, if they treat that like that then what else are they going to treat you know right without respect you know so yeah makes sense so you have two young boys who are uh getting older obviously but they are growing yeah. up in your restaurant right <laughs> i try not to put them down there too much yeah 
but they they my my oldest he when he comes down he tends to rather hang out with the guys in the kitchen talk shop you know talk mm -hmm. xbox and minecraft mm -hmm. and stuff like that you know and then my youngest son uh he is he loves putting on his apron and helping to open bottles of wine or clearing plates or because because then he gets the tips too and mm -hmm. you know so he comes home with a fat sash you know <laughs> stack of cash sometimes sometimes when they yeah i mean it's ridiculous how much people will tip him you know but you know Just but he will he'll, cute, he'll, right? He'll, right i think that has a lot to do with it but he, he will he'll he'll come down put his apron on he'll help clear plates and run food and you know, when we entertain my, when Mary Beth and I, on the rare occasion, especially the last seven years, when we entertain home, he always wants to open the wine bottles at home, you know, but he'll even like, he'll put his apron on. Mm -hmm. Mark, one of my employees, longtime employees, got him an apron with his name, like a little waiter bib apron oh. with his name on it, engraved on it a couple of years ago. And so he'll wear that here at the house and want to open bottles of wine on Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. He's going to grow up to be a sommelier. Uh, who knows what he's going to do. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, oh, kid, you can't live with I'll, I'll be happy if they get, right. I'll be happy if they get through high school at this point. And great, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, they will. They will. So thanks so much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge. It's such a pleasure to yeah, talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having Always. Thanks for having me. All right. So be sure to watch Sunday, November 6th at 6 p.m. Central Time on Facebook and Spotify when my husband, Chef Lawrence Hutchinson, and I talk about the challenges of the restaurant business and we'll offer our tips for solving those. Why am I doing this podcast? Because it's important to me that you know we all have it in us to succeed. My guests weren't born into royalty. They're normal people like you and me who saw an opportunity and ran with it. Listen in for tips, tricks, and just plain old inspiration. And be sure to follow You Can Do It Too on Spotify and YouTube soon for all the episodes, which we record every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. If you're looking for more specific help with your restaurant hospitality business, check out yourrestaurantmaven.com. Read my blog and connect with me for coaching and consulting opportunities. Thanks again, Matt. And tune in next time, everyone. Thanks for joining us.